0: Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to the episode this week. Uh, This was a great episode and a great conversation with my friend Matt. Uh, Matt is a teacher, he's a high school teacher, he's a musician, he's um, a real outdoors type of guy and we, and we talk about all of that. But I, I really enjoyed this chat. This was a lot of fun and the actual conversation ended up being about uh, two and a half hours. So <laughs> I had to edit it down and aggressively take out some sections and uh, make it a little more listenable uh, just for time's sake but i would I would love to release the f- the full version of this chat um, to people over on patreon so if you're not a patron of this show um, head over to patreon.com slash unexpected experts I've got a few different tiers there of membership um, and this episode I would love to air as an unedited thing um, for people to enjoy the entire conversation that Matt and I had in its uh, in its unedited format so head over to Patreon give the show a bit of support show us some love and um, yeah thanks so much for listening this week I really hope you enjoy this chat Uh, this was a really good conversation and I can't wait for you guys to hear it so thanks everybody enjoy Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening in. This week I've got my friend Matt Ellis on. Matthew Ellis, Matt, whatever. Matt. I like Matthew. Matthew? Matt? I like Matthew. Matt Tholomew? Matt Tholomew. Matthias? I had my email address. You know how you the
1: embarrassing first email addresses? Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I used to really love reading the series Redwall.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Geez, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah. And so one of my, like, First email addresses was
1: <laughs> MatthiasWarriormoose at Hotmail.com. It was not. Absolutely. No. Loved
0: me some Redwall. <laughs> That's so good. <sighs> Dang. Just deep cuts here. Yeah. Deep cuts. Uh, another embarrassing email address
1: was uh, you had to use a certain one for like Xbox Live or something. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> my
1: my Xbox, Xbox Live account was Half Inch Tees.
0: That's not PG. <laughs> I was going to Bible school at the time. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Oh, man. Uh, so Matt is... Are, I guess, are you from Calgary? I'm like from here? Okotoks. From uh, Okotoks. So born, okay. in Calgary, uh, born in Calgary. Born in
1: Calgary. Raised
0: from when I was five. Alberta boy. Yeah. yeah. Southern Alberta. Um, All my life. Yeah. You've done, you've done a bunch of stuff, working in different places, yeah. and um, you're married to a friend of mine and obviously a very good friend of yours uh, who was also on a previous episode of this podcast, episode 10, uh, Mrs. Andrea Ellis. And uh, he's a father to Parker. Who's the same little one that we were talking about in that same episode. It'd be weird. If it was a different, part. it'd be, it'd be kind of weird. Yeah. We'd have, we'd have some explaining to do. Surprise. <laughs> um, but Matt has also done some work in, uh, in churches and, He's a big fan of being in the outdoors and a big music fan. We were just chatting for probably like a good half hour at least about music and stuff before we even hit record here. I think we had an hour-long preamble. Yeah. It was a good preamble. It was a good warm-up, <laughs> yeah. right? Hopefully I uh, still have good things to say now, but we'll find <laughs> out. That has yet to be seen, uh, but we're all excited to hear it. So thanks for joining me, Matt. Thanks, Jamie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and welcome, welcome to Unexpected Experts. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, I would love to start with, yeah, just your superhero origin story or supervillain, which, what have you. So, bit of background. Yeah, maybe where you're from. Obviously yeah, being Okotoks, um, Alberta boy. Some of your growing ups, Some of some of who who you are as a superhero or supervillain. I uh, I
1: teach. I tell all of my psychology students um, that I'm a I'm a high school teacher, and one of the courses I teach is psychology and. I always tell them that you might be the hero in your own story, but you're the villain in somebody else's.
0: Oh, dang.
1: So, uh, but That's so legit.
0: Like every comic book hero thinks that they're the hero. They think their motivation is true and right.
1: Dang. Yeah. And like the villain, a good villain, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whether it be Thanos or Scrooge McDuck, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. They think they are the hero. Um, so you're, you're the villain in somebody else's story. The question is, are you the villain or the hero in your own? Ooh, man. Deep thoughts
0: right off the top. Uh. I'm here for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So, um, yeah, I was born in Calgary, kind of raised Southern Alberta, lived Calgary for a bit, left for a bit. My parents moved out to Okotoks when I was five years old and they lived in that house until they lived in that house for 20 years before moving out to Turner Valley. Um, I moved out when I was. 19 for university but just went to university in calgary um went to i now teach at the same high school i graduated from which no is kidding. a little strange
0: that's a bit weird yep. some
1: of the same teachers are there uh one of those teachers suspended me once um <laughs> so it's a bit awkward like passing them in the halls now yeah because i still don't like her Good, I really hope she doesn't hear this. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, love it
1: so. Uh, and then the other one who one of the other ones who suspended me, uh, I wasn't a great student, let's put it that way. Um, but one of the other teachers who suspended Dude, me, you and me I, both, I man. took her you job, like she left to go somewhere else, and then I took that job. Um, so and when I came there, all the students were like, Thank goodness you're here, we could not stand that lady. I was like, I, I
0: know, I get it. So. Well, if there's any of Matt's uh, co-faculty listening right now, um, we're not talking about you for sure, Zs. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, what else do you need to know? Uh, I am a musician. I've um, one of my degrees. Um, like my wife, I have three degrees. Um, and one of them is completely useless to me now. Uh <laughs> Go Which on. is a Bachelor of Ministry in Worship Arts. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Ambrose University. All three of my degrees are actually from Ambrose University. Oh,
0: no kidding. Yeah, wow. and I
1: wish I'd gone somewhere else for two of them. Well, for I wish one of them I just didn't get. That's the Bachelor of Ministry. It was it was Alliance University College Nazarene University College when I started.
0: Oh, okay. and then it became
1: Ambrose University College, and by the time I graduated. The third degree, it was Ambrose University. So, yeah. so you got moved up three in the
0: degrees from the same school with three different names on each of those no, degrees? No,
1: they all have the same name. Okay. But... <laughs>
0: that would be kind of cool. Went through
1: name changes. Three, Yeah, three name changes while I was there. But yeah, Bachelor of Ministry and Worship Arts, which I don't use anymore, which we'll probably get into. Um, and then I have a Bachelor of Arts in Music, where I majored in guitar. Oh, cool. Um, and I wish I had gotten that one from like McEwen or U of T or even U of C, sure. but I didn't and that's fine. And then I made the conscious choice and I'm happy about this choice that I went back to Ambrose for my um, Bachelor of Education. Cool. Uh, so I was there for a long time, but I'm a musician. I have played in numerous bands, um, some The Deepest Ocean and From Thieves, which were the same band. Just we had a name change part way through when we lost like, We had a membership change. We kind of just decided to rebrand. Fresh start. Yeah. Uh, Another band that was called Featherstone that had like every six months like changed like our, I don't know, revolving cast a little bit of that one. Didn't last very long because suddenly people started getting married and having kids. And then I just kind of... As people tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? Um, And then I just started doing my own stuff. Uh, so I put out my own music under my name, Matthew Ellis, yep. which you can find on Apple Music and Spotify yep. and anywhere else you get your digital music. Can confirm. And
0: a little plug in there, right? Got to throw the plug in. Shameless plug. Yeah. I mean, what's a podcast if not a place to plug your stuff? Exactly. Right? Hey, everybody, listen to me. Um, I think I'm...
1: I mean, I, I'm. you're able to listen to me. It's not like, oh, man... <laughs> Like I might as well be listening to like John Mayer right now or Donovan Woods, yeah. yeah. But you're, it's not going to be that. But you'll be like, that's not bad for like a small
0: town. Uh, I will, I will confirm it is very much listenable. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> cr- yeah. This is, yeah, it's a good compliment. It's I'll actually really it. good.
0: And you and Andrea both do vocals on it too, which is
1: yeah, Andrea super cute sings. and like top shelf. Thanks.
0: Yeah, Andrea sings on
1: the first EP that I have. I'm trying to get her to sing on uh, the next one of my next singles I'm releasing, but she just uh, now that we have a kid, it's harder to find the time. Uh, So again, how dare people have children uh, when you're trying to make music?
0: I mean, it's just disrespectful. Absolutely,
1: might be my fault in this case, but you know what? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so um, different bands now put music out on my own name. Taking a little bit longer to put EPs out because having a kid does change things a bit it's um up a lot of time yeah so yeah. i'm a singer songwriter it's kind of chill um let's see i used to be a worship pastor i'm not anymore I used to go to church i don't anymore uh and i'm a teacher um yeah. which i've been teaching at the same school for i think it's my fifth year at the school i'm at dang already yeah wow yeah fifth year at this school i teach a variety of things. Uh, So I am the vocal music director. So I teach at the Alberta High School of Fine Arts out here in Okotoks, it's a very prestigious name. We're trying to live up to it. So I teach choir, musical theater, technical theater. Um, On the musical theater side, I am the vocal director. So I help with all the music, uh, make sure kids can learn their parts and teach all the harmonies and all of that stuff. Uh, And I work alongside a phenomenal theater director who teaches our drama courses and then directs our um, our musical production as well as our one-act plays we go to a festival for every year. Oh, cool. So she does that side of things, and she's absolutely incredible at it. So, um, yeah, do that kind of stuff. I do all the technical direction for it, so all the lights and sounds and set building. And I teach psychology. Sometimes I teach an English class, but not this year. So. Uh,
0: how how does one become a psych teacher? I'm curious because I took psychology a little bit when I was in school. I think partly in person or like in person, like in the classroom with a teacher who was teaching us some of it. And then I think I did some through like distance ed. So
1: to become a psych teacher, your principal comes up to you and says, hey, um, we need to round out your timetable because you're not teaching <laughs> enough courses okay. to be full time. <laughs> Uh, would you consider teaching psychology or actually it started with, would you consider teaching forensics? And I go, no. Um, oh, but forensics was so fun. I took forensics. Yeah. I have a music degree.
0: <laughs> so you can, you can pull apart a piece of sheet music, but maybe not a crime scene. Yeah. Is what you're saying? I've
1: taught it for one year and I didn't love it. Yeah. But they were like, is there other stuff you're interested? I was like, I'll teach our psych stuff if you cool. need more psych offerings. And so I went from teaching zero psych classes. I taught one last year and I have three of them this year.
0: Cool. So
1: it's something I enjoy teaching. It's yeah. fine. I'm making the kids well, do psychological experiments on each other right now.
0: That's exciting. Um, I thought you is, would have had to have like a certain level of like certification or something to maybe teach psych.
1: I mean, I took uh, like, intro to psychology in okay.
0: university. Beautiful.
1: Uh, my wife has a behavioral sciences degree, so she has lots of psychology and I'm good at researching crap on the internet. Cool. Yep. <laughs> so uh,
0: I can, yeah. Enough said. Figure it out. That's enough qualification. Right. That's like how I started this podcast was YouTube university. Yeah. That's it. That's how, man, that's how I started. Like, so all my
1: music, I r- record everything by myself now. Yeah. Um, I record, I mix, I edit. It's all like, I do it all from my basement. Um, and it's trial and error, Cool, right? Just trying to record things and put things together and figuring out how to splice things and make it all work in different plugins and it's trial and error. Uh, and then when something doesn't work, Look it up, see if you can figure it out, and then yeah. try it again. And so that's kind of what happened in psychology. There's and this happens even in the courses. I've I have a degree in music. And there's things when I'm teaching music that's like, I don't think I did that right. There's gotta be a better way to do this. Right. Yeah. So going in and just researching and finding new ways and more efficient or better ways to do things. It's teaching is constant trial and error. And well, I think teaching is like constant learning. It is. Like you have to be a student yourself yeah. if you're a teacher. And it's, and it's to me anyway, it's super important to be transparent about that with my students. Cool, yeah. Um, to let them know, hey, I'm still learning. Um, there's going to be things that I do that I don't like and want to revisit. Or there's going to be things that don't work for your learning. Um, or you're going to ask me a question and I won't have an answer to it. And that's okay because none of us know everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so just being transparent with my students and that always and drove me nuts in school. Like anytime that I had teachers that would pretend like they knew everything, right? Or they, they felt like they had to have all the answers. Right. I'm thinking yeah. of like one teacher in particular, and I won't name him, but uh ay I mean, he had to be right about everything all the time. Right. And it was maddening. Like you couldn't you couldn't disagree with him. Like there was no room for arguments or any other perspective it was like his way or the highway
1: my students would be very quick to point out that in many things i'm not an expert
0: Mm. Uh,
1: i told some of my students that i was going to be on this podcast and they're like oh what is it called it's called unexpected experts and they said the only thing that is unexpected is how much you are an expert at not being a good teacher
0: (laughs) okay savage thanks team just boom roasted yeah (laughs) yeah it's uh a little hurtful but
1: so i also tell my students if i'm making fun of you it means i like you and i it's great when they can get it back so that's
0: right yeah Yeah. that's any good working relationship like like any good roommate situation if you're not roasting each other all the time like what's going on man why yeah andrea makes fun of me on a regular basis yeah i just don't have enough opportunity to give it back to her yeah brownie (laughs) points right there that's what i'm going for yeah it's a good move It's, it's a safe play Okay, well, um, I know that we went on a camping trip a few years, or last summer, like not this past summer, but the summer prior with, uh, with you, me, and Andrea, and a few friends, and uh, that was legitimately super fun. I had never been on a camping trip that was so stripped down, where it was like a tent and a fire pit, and that was it. Like, there was no outhouse, no facilities, you no- dig a hole. Nothing. Like, you dig a hole, and you figure it out, yeah. and that was it.
1: And it was super
0: fun. Like the camping that I had growing up was um, mom and dad would pack the tent trailer. We'd be gone for two weeks. We would go with my Oma and my aunt and the eight of us would all go out to BC for like two weeks. And we have a lot of family in BC. So it was nice for us to go see family and for them to come see us and explore another part of this beautiful country. And some of my favorite places in the world are in BC. Like I love it out there. Um, But that that type of camping, like with a tent trailer and tents and a picnic table that is set up on a gravel patch. Like, it's a different level of camping. Um, but I know you also love going out hunting and you're a big fishing fan and all of that. So maybe let us let us uh, take a peek into the world of, of outdoor mat. Absolutely. I mean, that being... I, d- I did that kind of hunting growing up too. Um,
1: we would go to the shoe swap and we'd... Set up on a big, the big campground and the big provincial park and the gravel sites and all. We did that with, and there'd be my entire mom's side of the family. There's, I have 15, well, I guess I have 12 cousins and three siblings. So my Oma always says that she has 16 grandchildren. My mom has four brothers, so it would be all of us and we'd all go camping together. And we'd do that style, right? And the tent trailer and someone would have like the big, like luxury, nice trailer. That's not really camping. It's not really camping. No, it's not. No. But uh, there's still something nice about that. It's pretty relaxing just to be out sleeping under the stars still, even if you're in a tent or a tent trailer and have a beach right there. it's Yeah. It is nice. But growing up, um, I started kind of, it's, it's not backcountry camping because I think of backcountry camping as like everything you're packing in, right? So you're walking three kilometers to your campsite. Um, But this is Crownland camping. So you're going out, there's no campsite. You're just finding a spot by the river and you're setting your tent up and that's it. Um, People bring trailers out there, um, but I like to just go with a tent and a good cooler and chop down some trees for some firewood and and have at it. So I've been doing that since I was a a little kid. Uh, We would go out to the Livingston Valley and fish Livingston River and the Old Man River with my dad, my uncle, and a couple cousins. And I, I've always loved it. So when I started to be able to go out and do that on my own with friends, jumped at it. Yeah. So, so go it's out like there, passing the baton. Kind yeah, of. exactly. And yeah. I'm excited to to take Parker out and to do that next year already. And I'll fly fish on the river as much as I can. And. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the fall, so that's my summer. I'm, since I'm a teacher, I have my summers off, so if I'm not doing stupid renovations in the house yeah. that are still left over in November <laughs> um, as we look into my unfinished kitchen. and That's all right. A wall that used to be there but isn't. Yeah. Nice like, tile, though. T- yeah, real nice <laughs> tile. Whoever did that
0: tile, man. Man, top shelf to <laughs> that guy. Great
1: yeah. work, JMO. I mean, great work, whoever did that. Uh, if you want to pay a tile guy. Uh, We didn't pay them, but you can. Uh,
0: It was my wedding present to these guys. I I volunteered to tile their kitchen. They said, okay, you're doing the whole thing. I said, (laughs) okay. Yeah,
1: you did not realize what you were signing on for. Not
0: so much, no. Yeah,
1: you're like, oh, it's probably just like a little backsplash over the... No, it is. It's a lot. It was days of tile.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't an afternoon like you were expecting. Uh,
0: There was was a sleepover involved. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely and it was glorious I, it a was a good time it was a good time yeah drank beer and watched a movie I think yeah yeah. which and I mean we definitely did a lot of that at camping for sure too That's a wicked the movie good beers watching but yeah my
1: one of my favorite parts of camping is beer mosa's for breakfast
0: oh baby like you, yeah
1: yeah I I like good beer like I'm so I'm drinking a far Hefeweizen if you don't drink far if you drink beer and haven't tried far yeah, they're a little brewery in Turner Valley. I don't, and they won the World Beer Awards for like they won gold for best hefeweizens, just won gold for Alberta Beer Awards for best hefeweizens. Oh, it is good. So I like good beer.
0: Well, but and, and Far is is spelled F A H R. In yeah. case anyone's wondering too. And what they do is they this is a nice a nice little side tangent, and I'm here for it. Um, they have like traditional German brewing methods that are very strict and very robust. and uh, But, yeah, the guy that owns it the It sketches people is out when you
1: tell them that the it's called like, the German purity laws. And people <laughs> people get a little bit
0: nervous when you mention that that's
1: what yeah. it's called. But it refers to beer because it's the thing they might take
0: most seriously in life. Yeah, so. totally. Uh, but, yeah, um, they're great beers. And, so actually, good. Matt was the one that introduced me to them a few years ago. And they're phenomenal yeah. beers. I actually just went through um, a six-pack of their... Oktoberfest. Fest. The is good. Which They're, one's really nice?
1: I pers- I like a dark beer. Yeah, me too. And so they have a dunkel, which is a short for dunkelweizen, which is a dark wheat beer. Cool. And oh, it is good. I don't think I when I first had far, I hadn't had this good of a German beer of a hefeweizen or a dunkelweizen since I was in Germany. And man. Man, it is good. Beer. And okay,
0: I used to live with a guy that was from Germany. And I gave him one of these beers and he's like, dude, this is like drinking beer at home. Yeah. It's the same. And German it's beer, so like cool.
1: as Canadians, we're always like Canadian beer is good. I mean, it's better than American beer. It is. Yeah. yeah. But Which is German beer carbonated is better. yellow water. German beer is better. Yeah. It just is. Um, that being said, there's a lot of like microbreweries popping up in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um there's a brewery here in Okotoks called Hubtown, and they won cool. silver for Hefeweizen, and they won gold for their Belgian ale for Alberta Beer Awards. Cool. Um, and all of their beer is gluten-free.
0: No kidding. Every
1: single one of their beers. So my sister, who's celiac can drink their beers. It's it's all under like 0.002% parts per meal. I don't know the yeah, term. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but every single one of their beers is... Celiac, you can drink it,
0: but that's it's crazy. really good. Wow, and then there's and another, to win awards at that too. Yeah, like the, the gluten free beer yeah. that's amazing. And
1: then there's, yeah, there's another brewery, and there's six corners in Okotoks, and another one's about to open. There's Hard Knocks and Black Diamond. The amount of breweries that are open in Calgary from Dandy oh, yeah. to 86 to, like
0: there yeah, are to Cold Garden to oh, Old Beautiful yeah. to Highline, and those are like, good beers, yeah,
1: but. They're still not German beers.
0: Yeah. So if you want like a
1: good German, I mean they're different. They just are different. They are yeah. right. Like if you're gonna get like a like a Canadian sour, it's gonna it's different than a traditional German beer. Yeah. Like you're
0: you're not going to far to get a sour. No. It's
1: not happening. But if you want like a, just a traditional, like their Pilsner is incredible. Um, their copper. Oh, they have yeah, it's good beer. Uh, anyways, when I'm camping, <laughs> just bringing it back, bringing it back around. Yeah. Uh, I'm ADHD like really severe. Um, and I will get something in my brain. It's like, I have to say this, I have to say this. And in group settings, I will have this like thing stuck in my mind. So I stop listening as other people. It's like, okay, who has something to say about this? Yeah. And I'll have this thing cycle in my mind. So I don't listen to all of the people. Cause like, I have to say this. And if I don't keep it in my mind, I'll lose it.
0: I am totally the same
1: way. Yeah. It's completely 100%. gone. So I don't yeah. listen. And finally, and then sometimes though, the, whoever's leading a discussion will be like, okay, let's move on to this thing. It's like, oh, I lost my chance. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I missed everything everybody said. I still didn't get a... Oh. So. But then also, like, by the time you maybe get a chance to even say the thing that's in your mind, everyone else has already moved on from the topic yeah. you had already and been also, ruminating on. And you say on. your
1: thing, and everybody's like, we, we moved on. Why are you yeah. still... It's like, oh, okay. Oh,
0: dude, the struggle's real. So ADHD life struggle gosh. is real. Um. Anyways, camping. But camping, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, I bring cheap beer. I don't bring, I don't go and pay 18 bucks for a six pack when I'm camping. I pay 18 bucks for 24 beers when I'm camping. Okay. That's not really often possible. Uh, but I will pay the,
0: the dollar to can ratio is maybe a bit off.
1: I've okay, but well you can get like you can get a 15 pack for 15 bucks. You
0: can, yeah, it's right? possible. It's that not possible. good, but it's possible.
1: I mean, sometimes you can get like deals on PBR for 15 bucks. Sure. Last time I went camping, I bought a 24 pack of uh, the no name beer. Oh man! For 24 bucks. Dang. Uh, actually, it might have been 23 bucks. Yeah. And, it uh, it was bad. It was bad, but when you're camping, sometimes just a cold beer is a cold beer. Yeah. And when you're mixing it with orange juice for a beer mosa at 7 o'clock yeah. in the morning it's, as it's you start your bacon over and you're sitting over yeah. the river, yeah. like watching the hatch to figure out what, like, you want to tie on when you start fly fishing and you're sitting there drinking your beer mosa, waiting for your, like, water to boil for your coffee. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's not good beer. Yeah. So I fish all summer uh, and camp. Backwoods and drink Terrible beer Uh, And then that's kind of Summer and then fall hits uh, Well August 31st I think Uh, I just counted to September 1st A Bow season starts so I can start Taking my bow out and Hunting um, Deer and elk Um, Didn't get anything this year I came, I was probably 40 yards from a bull Elk and he needed to take a step. He was behind a tree. And if he had taken one more step, he would have been past that tree and would have had a clear shot. But he wouldn't take that step, so I didn't have a clean shot. And then the wind swirled, and he scented us and took off.
0: Oh, Um, shoot.
1: And he was with a herd of cows, too, and the the cows didn't even come close to us. So Uh, I didn't get that chance. And you know, two weekends ago, I was out... Um, with a buddy and i was 80 yards away from from a white-tailed deer and with my bow i'm i'm not going to take a shot further than 40 yards um i have a buddy who's a little bit more confident and he'll shoot up to 60 but neither of us will shoot 80 very few bow hunters are like confident taking a shot at 80 yards right so i wasn't gonna take that shot and the leaves had just kind of had just fallen like the weekend before so there was no way I could sneak in on, on the deer because every step it was crunch, yep. crunch. Yep. And so deer blew out, no deer. But rifle season starts now. Cool. Um, I have a mule deer doe tag and a whitetail deer tag. So if my back allows me, I threw it out the other day. Yep. If it lets me, I'm going to go tomorrow and Sunday and try and fill at least one of those tags. Yep. It's been a lot less hunting this year. Um, having a child means that after working a lot of time and energy, well, that's not even, well, yes, it does. It does. Um, but for hunting, I, if I'm at work Monday to Friday and gone all day, leaving Andrea to be home with Parker and don't get me wrong. Like Parker is the easiest kid. She is super smiley and happy. She doesn't cry very often. She's, She's a happy baby, which makes life pretty easy. But it is hard to be home by yourself with an infant all day because you are always having to be on and ready and Mm -hmm. entertaining the child. And it's not easy. It's easier to go to school and go to work most days, I would assume, than it is to, to stay home. So Andrea's home with Parker Monday to Friday, and she gets a bit of a break when I'm home. And if I hunt every weekend, well, then it's six days on for Andrea and one day off. And when I hunt, at least when I'm working, I get up in the morning and I take Parker for a little while. And I get to, you know, spend some time with my daughter in the morning, which is usually the best part of my day. And then I give her to Andrea and I'm gone. And when I come home, I can take some time. I can put her to bed and give Andrea a break again um, and also just get time with my daughter. But if I'm hunting, I leave before dawn and I get back after sunset. Right? So yeah. that means that I leave before Parker's awake and I get back after she's already in bed, which leaves Andrea another day. Another like full day. Yeah. yeah. And then so she gets one day in a week where where she gets a break and that's just not a lot. So hunting every single weekend just isn't an option right now. Yeah. Um, when Parker's older and grandparents can take her for a day or Andrea can, you know, I can trade off I can go hunting for a weekend and the next weekend Andrea can go away with some friends or something, then it's a little bit different. Um, but this year I've needed to be home and also it's hard when I don't get to see much of Parker during the week and, Mm. and then I lose one of the days that I get to spend a lot of time with her. It's, it's hard. Um, Andrea and Parker are in Edmonton right now visiting Andrea's sister. And it's like, I I miss, I miss them. Right. It's so hunting, it's, it's taken a toll on the amount of hunting I can do this year. Um, but the payoff is worth it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about like that dynamic between, um, like having a kid at home, but then also having that desire to go out into the mountains, like the desire for both like to spend time with her. And then also the desire to be, on your own in your, in your happy place, I guess out in the mountains. Like what is, just dive into that a little bit. It's definitely a pull on, on some weekends. Like both it's, ways.
1: Yeah. There's, there's times where it's, I would rather be out in the mountains. Um, I am an introvert, introvert. Uh, yeah, I'm an introvert. I like being by myself. Um, while my family, Andrew and Parker don't drain that energy. Um, being around 30 students, like 30 teenagers Mm, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every single day is draining and exhausting. And I recharge being by myself. So while uh, while Andrea and Parker don't drain that battery and they they can fill it, it doesn't fill as quickly as if I'm just by myself. Totally. Um, And so going out to the mountains... It can refill that that meter. So I can come back feeling ready, feeling ready for another week, feeling ready to just come be a dad like fully on Sunday and I mean, on the like moments when present home throughout the week and be present and available and yeah. have the energy to give to them. So there's times where I feel like I, I need to get out. But there's also times where it's I I want to be with my daughter. I want to be with my wife. I want to spend time with them. So it's It can be, there's a pull in both directions sometimes. Sometimes it's, I want to get out and I, I know it's better for me to get out to the mountains for a day, but I know it's better for Andrew and Parker for me to stay home for a day.
0: Right. Um, and so So it's like that, that sacrifice. Yeah.
1: And it's at the same time, I have a hard time calling it a sacrifice because I think it's just my duty.
0: Right. It's right? like what you like have to do, like what needs to be done.
1: Yeah. It's hard to think of something as a sacrifice when it's like, no, this is what I signed up for. This right. is what I wanted. This is what I love. Like I love Andrea and I love Parker. So it's not, I, I don't think it's fair. It's not a sacrifice to spend time with them instead of going out to the mountains. It isn't. It's just giving up one good thing for another good thing. Mm. Right. It's.
0: I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes there are times where I'd rather be out hunting, but there's also times where, I mean, at the same time when I, when I stay home, whether it's because Andrea says she needs me to stay home or Mm -hmm. because I decide I think I should stay home this weekend. Yeah. I I don't regret it when I do. Um, yeah, I've missed, I I don't, haven't seen as much as I, I almost always hunt with my best friend Cody and I haven't seen as much of him this year because of it or this season. Um, but, you know, uh, Andrea kind of makes fun of us because when we're out there, she'll, I'll come home. And she'll so what did you, Cody, talk about? Like, what did you, and I'm like, nothing. Like we, we drove out there at 5.30 in the morning. So yep. we were tired and we didn't talk. And we were hunting all day. So we couldn't really talk because, you know, we d- didn't want to spook the deer. And then we, when we drove home, well, we had just walked 30 kilometers looking <laughs> for deer and we were tired. Yeah. And she like, well, then why do you go with Cody? I love spending the time with him. And she's like, but you didn't talk about anything. don't need to. Yeah, you almost
0: don't have to. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This is a generalization, but it seems to me that most of the women I know don't realize or don't understand that you can spend quality time with somebody and not say a word.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Maybe say more about that.
1: I, I don't know how um to say more about that. <laughs> but I have like I have a couple friends where we can just be together, not say a word, and feel like, man, I had a really great day hanging out with that person. Mm. We said three words to each other, we like didn't interact much, but it was great. But I don't know a lot of
0: women who do the same thing. They they want I don't know. Like they, they almost got to catch up with each other and like divulge all, yeah. the, all the latest yeah. happenings so, in Andy, their lives. Like, I'll Sorry. get home
1: from hunting and Andrew, like, so how's like Cody's wife and kids? What are, what was their week like? What did they right. like? Yeah. I don't know. What's Cody been up to? I don't know.
0: Oh, and he's like, your best friend? Yeah. Yeah. We had a great time together. <laughs> but what did you talk about? Nothing. I wonder if that's like maybe an introvert versus extrovert thing. Like, because I'm definitely an introvert too. And I know that I'm way more of a like mental processor instead of a verbal processor and other people in my life. But I'm an introvert and I can be a verbal processor. I guess, but okay. My thought is like, there's this, there's this lady at work that is always talking. Every little thing that is in her head comes out of her mouth. It's in her brain. It falls out of her mouth, every little single thing. And it drives me nuts as a person that just thinks my thoughts in my head where I don't need to verbalize them. But if I'm saying something that I'm saying it with a purpose, like I'm saying it because I need to say it and I need to express it. Our, but I find like the ADHD can kind of like let the jaw what drop. I say. like It can let the mouth open up a little bit and then dumb words yeah. fall out. Our AD, I would
1: say <laughs> like it, when you first start, I was like our ADHD is very different, different in that way because for me, if there's a thought in my brain, it comes out. Right, and and as I as I've been researching ADHD, one of the things I found is that is one of the th- like one of the things, one of the impulsivity things that is common in a lot of people with ADHD is that if you notice something, you have to say it. Right. So whereas a neurotypical person, they will hear the heat turn on, and they'll just be like, in their minds, they'll notice the heat turned on, but don't have to say anything. But somebody with ADHD, they will. I said that weird. Somebody with ADHD they will notice that the heat turns on and they will have to say, huh, the heat just turned on.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so yeah. I noticed
1: that at school. We'll be sitting there and I'll be teaching a class and all of a sudden, like the air system will kick on. And I'll be like, huh, the air just turned on. And I'll go back into whatever I was teaching.
0: <laughs> it was like the like from Up yeah. where, the, where the dog was like, Squirrel! <laughs> right? Every five seconds. Yeah. Or like <laughs> where, where you sit, like
1: I'll see like a the, the other day where we're... In our theater, there's these windows that look out into parking lot and then a, like a big field. And there's a guy like throwing a ball for his dog. Right. In the middle of teacher class, I was like, oh, that guy's walking his dog. And then I went back to just like what I was saying to my class. And everybody was just like, what? <laughs> I was like,
0: and then you I, just distracted a room full know, of 30 kids. And they never
1: would have said anything <laughs> or noticed. But I noticed it and I couldn't not bring attention to it right right because my mind was there and then I had to like verbalize it for some ridiculous reason yeah man and ADhD too is a whole I've been like learning about like object permanence okay have you like been doing read anything about that for no. so a lot of people with ADHD struggle with object permanence meaning that if you don't put something where you can see it you forget it exists
0: okay
1: yep answers a lot of yep. questions right yeah so totally. if you put um, your keys in a drawer or somewhere that you don't normally put them, you forget, you forget that you put it there because you can't see it. It doesn't. Man, and so my like, key have, every single have you time, been, have you been reading my mail? Like, have you been in my brain? I've just been trying, I've been reading things to help understand my own brain better. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it's, for me, a big thing is my meds. So I am on uh, concerta, which isn't working at all. I'm on as high a dose of Concerta that you can get before they say, if you take any more of this, you're going to get really, really bad side effects.
0: Really? So I can't take any more
1: of it. And it's doing nothing. Um, But so anyways, my meds, they have to be visible to me. So right now they are at work. And they sit like right in front of my keyboard. So I get to work. Right. And before I can even log into my computer, it's like, oh, right. And I can take them. Yeah. Not that they help. Um, I'm going to switch. I'm going to be switching to Vivance very soon. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know one day if it works. Please do. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So if before I would keep my meds in like the medicine cabinet or in like my um, bedside table or something like that. They'd be in a drawer. But because they were in a drawer, I forgot that, they were there and I wouldn't think about taking them because I couldn't see them. I need that visual reminder. Mm, yeah. And so that's very common with people ADHD. And then we will put something being like in the moment, if we're tidying or going, where should I put this thing? We'll put it somewhere that makes sense to us in the moment. Yeah. But then we don't, and then it's then not somewhere it. that's, that's yeah. visible. So if yeah. it's not somewhere visible, we're going to forget it happens. So I even think about clothes, the clothes that get worn are the ones that are on like the top of the drawer or like, visible in the closet if it's not visible i forget i have it i forget i own it mm. right if i put some sort of like winter clothes like in a different place like in our in a storage room or something like that i'll forget that i have it because i can't see it so i'll never it'll be cold like oh i don't have like a warm jacket to wear right but i've got one it's just in a storage room but i forget that it's there because object permanence yeah
0: so we forget that things exist when we can't see them that's so legit. I, I'm totally the same way at work too. Like I have something I have to do tomorrow and in order to remind myself to do it, I put it on my keyboard. Yeah. So that I know this is something I have to do tomorrow because I told my coworker today and yesterday that I would get it done for her so that she could have it done by Monday. All of that. Yeah. And even the same thing like this morning I um I changed the towel in my shower. But I put my old towel in the laundry basket, and then I took my new one out, and I put it on my bed. Um, Because if I don't take the new one out, I'm gonna get out of the shower tomorrow and realize I don't have a towel, and then that's not good for anybody. Yeah. And so there's
1: so many things that we can do to to help with that. One of the things I found is physical lists, not like on my phone, but Mm. I on my desk at work I have a notebook, and I'm constantly like, if there's something that I need to get done for work, I write it down on the sheet so that I I can always look at this when I'm sitting at my computer like oh here's the things that I need to get done right because if I write it down somewhere else or just try to remember that I need to do this thing I won't remember I need yeah. to see it somewhere same thing if I have a student saying I have a lot of students who say like hey can you write this reference letter for me for university absolutely I'd love to do that my job is to support students um we can talk about that more too because um it's something I'm passionate about but a student will ask, can you write a reference letter for university or for this job or whatever it is? And I, I always say, yes, I would love to, but you need to email me. Right. Because I will forget because it's not somewhere, it's not something I can see. So it'll drift. Yeah. And so, and because I don't have that notepad of stuff I need to do, which I can also, there is, I never used to be a note or like a list person. But the joy in completing a task and crossing
0: it out. Oh man. Oh. I've only like oh, within it's the last good. few years, I've only recently discovered that as one of the most beautiful feelings. It is good. Like being able to cross stuff off of a list. Yeah. But then I'm I'm kind of okay, so I'm on like one medication sort of when I need it. Like I'm not super crazy ADHD, but yeah. enough that it still affects my life and that I still notice it. Um but I've been Um, I've been, yeah, really into writing down lists and stuff like a grocery list or stuff like a to do list. And I'm, I'm still the type of person that enjoys crossing stuff off, but then I'm also the type of ADHD that is like a real procrastinator Hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'll see things on that list and be like, yeah, I can do that later. Yeah, I can do that later. Right. And then half my list is not and done. And so I'll
1: have things, my, <laughs> you'll see my, my list at work. The stuff There's stuff at the top crossed out, stuff at the bottom, and there'll be things in the middle that yeah. aren't. And then I'll run out of space. And so if I start a new page on in this notebook, I have to take the things that aren't crossed out and move them onto a the new page. Right. Because when it's that note, that page is folded over and I lose those things on the past page, I'll forget about them. Right. So I have to move those
0: things over to the like out of page. sight, out of mind.
1: Yeah. yeah. So students have to email me and I will read the email and then mark it as unread. Because if it's read, I'm not, I, this is just, this is ne- not necessarily an ADHD thing. But if yeah. something's read, then. Then the switch has been flipped. It's yeah. not something I need to think yeah. about. Yeah, whereas, so I'll leave things, even like a text message. If somebody sends me a text and I'll read it and go, okay, I need to respond to this, but yeah. I just don't have time now. It's going to be a couple of days. But so I'll have to leave it like unread so that I can see that I have notifications that I can deal with it Mm -hmm. when I can. So it's the same thing. Like it's, so that's, you have to be able to something with many, a common symptom for people with ADHD that's object permanence. So you need to
0: see it. Otherwise it will just like cease to exist in your mind. Yeah, man. That's so true. And all this, okay. All this talk now because of, you and your friend being out in the woods and like not saying a word to each other. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's great. But I think that man, any, any time that I can get by myself, like I took two days off of work um, last week. So I had a four day weekend and the amount of stuff that I was able to get done, I was able to like start a project that I've been wanting to do. I was able to do some cleaning around the house and run some errands and have some appointments and have some meetings and do a bunch of stuff but also have enough time just for myself to relax and to chill out and you know start watching squid game and like that kind of stuff right like just time for myself but it was enough of a balance that i still felt productive and also well rested so i think being out in the woods and being outside um for you is probably that same kind of thing it's a mental reset yeah yeah, so
1: I come back feeling, even though it's like, I'll, if I put 20 or 30 kilometers on the boots that day, totally, um, I still come back feeling like the next day I'm refreshed. It's like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm ready to, to buckle down and do what I need to do again.
0: One thing that that I know you're like real passionate about and you mentioned it as well like you went to school for music and we were chatting for a while already about music what role would you say that music plays in your life Man music is so influential I think
1: it's I don't play as much of it right now as I would like to but it is one thing that keeps me grounded and gives me that creative outlet which mm. I need um I'm not always good at expressing thoughts and feelings. They can get jumbled in my brain. And when I can write them down and put them to music, I can kind of make sense of things, even if it's kind of, you know, and that poetic doesn't make sense to other people. Sure. Kind of way, Right. So,
0: um, so wait, for just getting it out getting on the it page out, yeah. is enough to allow you to express yeah. it. And that's one of the things, one of the things that I love <laughs> about songwriting
1: and just music in general is what a song means to me might not, it might not mean the same thing to somebody else. Yeah. So I've had people be like, what, what is this song about? What did you write it about? What does it mean? It's like, well, what does it mean? To, what do you think when you hear it? Right. Because now that you've heard it, it's as much yours as it is mine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I want people to attach their own meaning to a song that I've written. So I can write a song about love or about faith of deconstruction or about just life and that's what it means to me but somebody else is going to take it and hear those lyrics and hear the music and just attach it to something else yeah
0: um i had exactly the same conversation with another music duo that i had on the podcast a few weeks ago um and we were talking about a song that they had just put out i think it was called breath of fresh air and i was listening to it and i was like you know what I I gotta look up the lyrics for this too and so I was looking up the lyrics and I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure this song is like about COVID Hmm. and so I asked them that I said like was this song inspired by COVID and they were like 100% it was like Hmm. totally you nailed it on the head like you totally grabbed it but then they've had other people also listen to it and and have totally different interpretations of it so that's exactly what you're saying like you can have one idea and one train of thought or maybe one experience that you're writing about but then, when someone else hears it, they totally put their own spin on it too, and it, it speaks. Maybe one line speaks to their individual situation in a totally different way than you ever yeah. meant it. And and with that too, my songs. There's a song that I play. It's one of my favorite
1: songs. Um, it's on my band's old EP. Um, it's when I was in the deepest ocean, called "Come Now Sleep." And cool. I'm gonna re-release it as a single in a little bit, just waiting for Andrea to sing some vocals on it. Sweet, she needs to get the harmonies in there. So I'm uh, gonna no, ask, pressure. no pressure, no pressure, Andrea. And then I'm gonna ask one of my old band members to come and sing the the third harmony in it. Cool, um, nice. To, to have kind of his, you know, flair in there as well. But I wrote this song when I must I think I was 19 years old, and it's still one of my favorite songs I've ever written. It's called "Come Now Sleep." And when I wrote it, it was all about, um. Loving somebody else, right? Loving somebody, even when you feel like... When I first wrote it, it was about loving them, even though they think they're not good enough. Hmm. So thinking that they're not worthy and that they they aren't good enough and that they aren't worthy, but loving them anyways and trying to show them that they are worth it. Sure. And then that song changed due to life circumstances for me. So when I sang it, it stopped being about that. And it started to become, and this was when I was like mid-20s, about me not being good enough. And it started mm-hmm. being like, love me at my darkest. Like, love me when I'm not good. Love me anyways. Like, push through like the, the hurt and the pain and everything and just take me as I am and love me like this. Yeah. And then life circumstances changed again. And now that song for me is just like about love not always being easy and loving each other through it no matter what Mm. um and just that there's comfort and solace in that so my own songs have changed yeah so and i've got you writing it it's totally changed yeah so a song that i wrote (laughs) i mean which makes sense because i wrote it like 12 years ago yeah but there's even another song i probably wrote this one it's called heroes that's going to be the next single that i release and it's one that i again wrote with this band with a band called from thieves and we never recorded it um We performed it at like, yeah, we, we played it a lot and it was, we were about to record it before we broke up, um, the band. Yeah. Before the band broke up. And at that time the song was all about needing, like trying to save somebody else only to find that they were saving you.
0: Oh, wow. And. Man, that's like the plot of a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, the chorus is, feet don't fail me now. Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, feet don't fail me now because I came back for you bleeding on this ground because I came back for you. Wow. Um, something like that. But yeah. it all turns, as the song goes on, to have them end up saving me. Right? So it was me being like, I'm going to save this person. And it was about a relationship. I mean, sure. like, man, I'm going to like get this person where they need to be. And then going, actually, throughout this relationship, they made me better. Mm. The song has, for me, the, the real meaning behind the song has actually changed to, to being we don't need saving.
0: We don't mm, need to be saved. Interesting.
1: We are good. Yeah. We are, yeah, we're already good. We don't need saving. Yeah. We can have people come along and help us through things, but we don't need saving. So uh, that song for me has has changed. Yeah, so I find it cool not only that somebody else is going to take a different meaning from the song than I intended. What's cool is that sometimes the meaning for myself is no longer what I initially intended. Mm -hmm. It now means this instead of this. I don't attach the meaning of a 19-year-old kid writing a song, right? My songs, the same song from when I was 19 has evolved with me. And I think, yeah. So that's a, that's songwriting for me. Um, and then with that, I just think I do this, um, this assignment with my tech theater class because music plays such a big role in film and stage. Oh yeah. Right. So film yeah. TV and stage music plays such a huge role. And one of their jobs is they have to take a, it's different for every like grade, but like for my grade tens, what they have to do is take any like novel or TV show or movie or graphic, any media form that they like, right? So they take a story that they like and they have to design a soundtrack for it. So they pick five scenes from oh, this cool. form of media and they put a song with it. Yeah. Whatever song they choose, it can be with lyrics or without, instrumental or sung. And and then say, why does the song fit the scene? Um, because music alters and music can alter emotion, right? That's why they use music therapy. Um,
0: Music.
1: My sister-in-law is a music
0: therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what she makes her living at doing. Yeah. is using music to alter moods.
1: Yeah. And because music can alter mood, it can pull things out of you. Um, I was coming home from a choir practice the other day. And one of my favorite songs of all time is Nessim Dorma, which is an opera piece um, from Turandot. And this piece, when I'm listening to it like full blast in the car, like I cry every time. Mm-hmm. And man, it is like it's I, I don't even I can never even remember what I, what the translation of the lyrics is, but just the the music, just the the lead tenor and the choir and the orchestra, it just brings me to tears. Just yep. raw emotion. It's not sadness just raw unbridled emotion Yeah. and it just releases something and I, there's not a lot of things in my life that have the power to do that just to like make you feel yeah and music can make you feel right like it can make you feel joy you listen to like a happy upbeat song or song that like ties into other things. When it comes to our senses, um, our auditory senses are almost as strong in provoking memory as our olfactory senses. So olfactory sure. senses are yeah. your strongest like memory, right? So if you smell something, it's it's your strongest like pull back into a memory.
0: Totally. Um, yeah. Like smelling chocolate chip cookies reminds yeah, you of your childhood exactly. when your mom made chocolate so chip cookies. So your olfactory
1: senses are the strongest for bringing you to memory, but yeah. au- your auditory sense is close to that, your oral senses. And... And so music, like, it, you can do a song that, like, you remember from this, like, happy time, it can make you feel joy. Or the sad time, it makes you feel sad. Like, I always use this example for my students, is the intro, scene, and in
0: up. Mm, yeah. Yes. I know exactly where you're going right? with this. Because yeah. this, this scene is, yeah. like,
1: two and a half minutes long. Yeah. Three minutes long. And it is this big one of the most amazing, in my opinion, like moments in animated cinematography where it's like, there's no dialogue. It's just showing you these people's lives. And the music behind it is really what pulls you in. And I've seen Up so many times because I love that movie. And I cry every single time. I don't know. I don't think I would if it wasn't for that soundtrack. And which is super simple. But and it I'm, just pulls and, you into. And this. I've
0: only seen Up once, but that's the one thing that I really remember from that film was that intro sequence.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, music. We have it playing for Parker. We sing to Parker all the time. One of my yeah. favorite things is, um, I'll I'll sit on the couch and I'll sit her down here, and I'll sit her down here on the couch and I'll sit beside her and like facing her and I'll like just play for, play guitar for her and I'll mm. sing for her and and just. The you can see like emotion on this little six month old kid's oh, face. That's so and so cool. Whether it's just her like with a huge smile looking up at me, or you can see like emotion, like her feeling sad sometimes. Yeah. If I'm playing a sad song, you can see it, this like emotion come over, or her like happy wow. because it's just music. And yeah. we'll play like I don't know Raffi or Fred Penner, yeah. and she'll like <laughs> it'll bring like joy and like she'll be like like bouncing around and have energy and. Man, music is huge. I mean, it's it's also what pays our bills to some extent. Yeah, um, so it's pretty important for us that way. But it's yeah, like
0: financial responsibility yeah. aside.
1: But it music, I feel like it connects me to life. Mm. Um, there's you look into some of these things and you find that as you research for and this is just doing research for my like theater studies and for tech theater and as we're figuring out how to do sound design for a show and finding sound effects and what are the different things that you have to add to that and you find that like music is such a kind of a cliche but music is all around right it's a car driving by or it's You know, I think of like, um, what's his name? Like Charlie Puth or Charlie... Yeah, Charlie Puth. Yeah, Yeah. I don't listen to his music. Yeah. But Andrew showed me some of his stuff on TikTok where it's like he used like flicking on the light switch or something as, as the sound he needed. Yeah. Right? Everything can be music. Everything is driven by sound.
0: There's this guy that I follow on YouTube as well, Andrew Huang, I think. And he's out of, I think he's out of Ontario. But he does this kind of thing too. And he'll... Um, I think he had somebody ask him like if the new MacBook was good for sound design or something. And so he just like tapped and um, smacked different parts of the laptop and he like shut the lid to get one tone. And then he like ran his finger across the keyboards to get a different sound. And he made a song out of these sounds in kind of a, like a a parody way. Yeah. Like, is it good for sound design? Well, sure. Let's find out. Right. And then he just like tapped on it to make To make the beats to make a song, right? Like music yeah. is totally everywhere. Music is everywhere, yeah. and
1: it drives so much of life. There's people who I've heard that there are people who don't like music, um, and I don't, I don't know if I've that. ever met any. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's And I, you
0: know what? I don't know if I would ever want to. Yeah,
1: because it's just so <laughs> important. Like we were taught, and like the amount of different music that there is, every music can every genre I can give different emotions. And I don't think, I've gotten to a point in my life where there's not a single genre that I hate.
0: I don't mm. think there's any
1: music that I hate. There's music that I don't enjoy listening to, but I wouldn't say I hate it because it's people trying to be creative and make something and other people enjoy it. Yeah. That I might not enjoy listening to it, but I don't think I hate it. Yeah. Um, But there is music. So I, I listen to kind of two completely, the most common genres i listen to are completely like separate i listen to like singer songwriter stuff yeah um and i really like right now I listen to a lot of like donovan woods and um uh noah gunderson just put out a new album okay and i cried the first like in the first song when i came out because it's beautiful well and, and we were talking about city in color and color a little bit yeah russ and kelly and city in color and yeah. um i really and phoebe bridgers oh i i and all of the Boy Genius crew Lucy Dacus um, And Yeah I I love that kind of Singer-songwriter Alternative But mm-hmm. on the chill Like acoustic side Katie Pruitt Oh man Katie Pruitt she opened for Donovan Woods when I saw him the last time he was here Cool, and blew me away. Just what a powerhouse of a voice. Anyways, I love that kind of singer-songwriter style. And you can find joy in some of the songs and yeah. you can find heartbreak and sorrow and sadness. And you can feel all the emotions in that stuff. And the other music I listen to is like hardcore. Yeah. like So we were talking about Under Oath, um, who I've loved from their only chasing safety to their like... The, al- the stuff they've released For their Their new album Like And
0: Every time I die And Counterparts And Yeah well And we were talking about Like North Lane And Architects yeah. And a bit about yeah. Like August Burns Red And And there There's music There's
1: hardcore songs That same thing Where I like some people be like, that sounds terrible. They're just screaming. It's yeah. demonic. It's like, it like, and I have like the biggest smile on my face. Cause it's just awesome.
0: <laughs> like, I don't know if you've heard yeah. of Lorna shore, but they have a new song. I've only
1: out. heard that. Like the crazy breakdown. Yeah, uh, I've only seen steps of that, that song is unbelievable. Yeah, I haven't actually listened
0: yeah. to that whole song. I've just heard that breakdown. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous for anyone that is curious about maybe what, like a demon pig sounds like, go <laughs> <laughs> listen to Lorna shore uh, in, in, into the Hellfire? Something or like that. Or from the Hellfire? Or something like I, that. Yeah, I can't just remember. look up Lorna Shore Hellfire and it'll show up. Yeah. It's crazy. But
1: like, yeah, I listen to counterparts and every time I die in these hardcore bands. And same thing, I can feel joy listening to them and I can feel sad and sorrow and when I'm listening to it as well, right? So music can yeah. draw those things. And then I still love listening to classic, like I'll drive in my car and I'll just listen to instrumental music.
0: Yeah, One of totally. the
1: most... Another one, like one of the most beautiful, in my opinion, instrumental songs ever written for violin is the theme song from Schindler's List. Oh, wow. Oh, man, is that ever beautiful. Yeah. Right? Or you can go like crazy stuff. Um Debussy and all these other composers who wrote insane stuff for piano and orchestra. I love it. I I love the music. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you've heard this. I, I had a student show it to me and I showed it to Andrea and then she posted it everywhere on her social media is, um, there's a guy named Cody Fry and he's, yes. And he did an arrangement of Eleanor Rigby.
0: Oh really?
1: Yeah. Cool. He did this arrangement of Eleanor Rigby with a, so with an orchestra, and a, I think he did a four or 500 person like virtual choir. Everybody just like from around the world cool. sent him their recordings of like their part. And oh man, is it ever incredible. Like it's one of the things where it's like it was powerful emotionally because it was like it's, it's sad. Like Eleanor Rigby is a sad song. It's a song. sad,
0: very depressing, yeah. sad song.
1: But like I like it was this weird conflicting feeling while I was listening because it, it was like he really captured that. The essence of that, like the mm. just the sorrow and the loneliness of it, and yet it was so good, I couldn't help but like laugh when I was listening yeah. to it.
0: I totally get the same experience listening to Disturbed's cover of uh, Lust and the Sound of Silence, okay? Or, yeah. um, I think that's it, yeah, from yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Simon Garfunkel. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Of silence. yeah, yeah. Oh, listening to him sing that song. See, and I like that Holy cover, cow. but
1: I can, that's one of the ones where there's just some covers that I I can't listen to over the original. And that's right. some And there's some yeah. covers that I'd rather listen to than the original. Yeah. Let's take Hurt,
0: Johnny Cash, for sure. example. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails wrote a good song. Yeah. Johnny Cash perfected it. Totally. And that, man, like that cover of his on... Um, Oh, what was it? On Logan, that X-Men movie. Holy cow. That song just like set the tone for the whole film in that trailer. And that's one of those. That's so cool too.
1: Because you'll have incredible composers, John Williams and... um, uh, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. um, What's uh, Danny Elfman come up with and like incredible scores. Yeah. And write beautiful songs for movies. But there's sometimes people who like compile the soundtrack and decide like what like pop songs need to fit. Man, some of those people do such a good job. Like some songs fit scenes so
0: perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It always makes me think too. Like there's those songs that exist that just makes you feel like that are perfect for like driving, right? Like a road trip. Oh where yeah. you can just like look out the window while the song's playing. And it makes you feel like you're in a movie.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, right. It's the coming of age movie, and it's yeah. like they're they're moving, right? And you're <laughs> looking out the window as you're driving to the place, and the song's playing, and it just makes you, you yeah.
0: know, it just brings you into that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Music, I yeah, it's it is a powerful tool.
0: Talked a few times about like our own faith stuff and maybe where we're at and where we are no longer at, and I think, uh, yeah, I think we can maybe go down this road if, if you'd go like down this and, journey, and just hash it out a little bit. Yeah, um, maybe. Okay, so I know you you used to be a worship pastor, um, and you said that you went to college for um for like a worship pastor degree essentially. Mm-hmm. Like worship arts and yeah. So I have a degree. degree.
1: I have a I have a bachelor's of ministry and worship arts. Right from Ambrose.
0: Okay. So yeah. now, did you grow up in the church? So I started going to church
1: when I was about fifteen, maybe. Oh, really? Um, I had a I stayed over at a friend's house one day, like a Saturday night, like high school sleepover, and the next day he was like, "Oh, by the way, we go to church, so you have to go to church with us." Okay. Um, and then he also then pulled me later on into youth group. He's like, hey, we're going like skiing with the youth group. We're going to do the super fun thing with the youth group. I was like, oh sure, I'll go to that. And they they always lure you in with a really fun event. Yeah. And then they, they then they hit yeah. you with that Bible study or that like <laughs> yeah. come to Jesus
0: um Preaching moment at yeah, the end, like bring it home, and, yeah. then, and then with every head bowed. So
1: did that with a couple of times, and then I went to like a youth conference. Uh, it was called well, it was called youth conference. It was YC, yeah. YC, yeah, yeah. YC yeah. in Edmonton. Uh, and it, like I said, music like affects me. It's powerful. I am so susceptible to music. It changes me. Yeah. Like I don't think it just changes my emotions, but it changes me. Yeah, I think. And so YC is like big crowd, and it's like supercharged, and then supercharged, like like, Super Bowl of youth group events. It's it's in a stadium, yeah, right, Um, or in an arena. arena, Um, And so it's in an arena, and the music is super loud, and there's all these people who are just supercharged and like ready to go, and then they give this like. They have a motivational speaker who's yeah. like their job wasn't. They're not just a pastor who preaches every Sunday. Like they go from place to place and speak, and they know how to talk to people yeah. and
0: get people to do things. Yes, yeah. they they are hired to seal the deal. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so they give this like highly like charged emotional like message, and by the end of the weekend, I'm like, yes, I will give my life to Jesus. Um, and from then on, because I was the I I do music and I'm okay at it. Um, I need to, one of the things that the church pushed on me was false humility. You can't Mm. take credit for things. Yeah. Right. You can't be like, yeah, no, I am good at this. Yeah. Um, It's I'm good at this because Jesus has allowed me. He gifted me this. And And I'm having to. It it, it wasn't me. It was, it was
0: God. Yeah, exactly.
1: After every, like every time I lead worship, no, you know, I appreciate it, but really it was just God working through me. Yeah, And so I'm learning still to be to take some credit and to go, no, you know what? This is something that, yes, there is some natural talent that I was born with. Thankfully, because both of my parents are phenomenal musicians. My dad is a singer songwriter and guitar player, right. better guitar player. Like than I am. My mom is a phenomenal piano player and they both great singers. Um, So, it is a genetic hereditary thing that was passed down to me because they are musical. Yeah, thankfully, I am as well. It's biology,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and practice I took lessons, like my parents put me in lessons, they paid for lessons, they taught me lessons themselves. I put hours of work into it. It is something I can take credit for, yeah. Anyways, all that aside, because I am because I was good at music and was now a Christian as well, I was quickly pushed, um, not pushed, I was encouraged to join the worship team and then quickly moved up from like playing guitar in the background to also like singing harmonies and playing guitar to like leading worship. Right. So by the time I'd been a Christian for like six months, I was leading worship.
0: Wow. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, and everybody was saying like, I'm this impressionable high school kid who used, who initially went, I want to be a teacher. Yeah. I want to be a teacher. I think that's what I want to do. I want to teach music. Um, into everybody saying I needed to to be a worship pastor. And so I ended up going to school to be a worship pastor. Anyways, yeah, went to school, got a degree in worship arts, did my internship at a mega church in Calgary. um, And then took the first job I could get Mm. Uh, because I was like, I graduated in April and by the next month, like they were like, I had an interview and I had a job lined up.
0: First, the September after I graduated yep. as a worship pastor, because that was the script you were handed. That's what and those well, were the steps that you were told you had to and take. And even
1: aside from it being, and yes, like I don't disagree, it was the script I was handed. It's what everybody told me I was supposed to do. Yeah. And it's also why it took me like six years to get. Like I did a double major. I got my Bachelor of Ministry and Worship Arts and my Bachelor of Arts in Music at the same time. Okay. Because every year I went, after doing Worship Arts, I went. This isn't what I want to do, and I'd switch back into my Bachelor of Music. And then everybody would be like, oh, you really should be a worship pastor. And I'd switch back into mm. the Bachelor of Ministry. And then by the end of that year, I'd be like, "This isn't. why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. Yeah, I'd yeah. switch back to the Bachelor of Music. And after all of that, I got to like, I had one year left. I was like, you know what? If I do one extra semester, I'll graduate with both. So why not? Yeah. So did my and internship. You've, you've at a come this church. far. Yeah. You might as well just grab both. And then I took the first job offer that I got. Um, and I really... Should have thought more about it, um, but I think there's a degree of like again, I'm early twenties mm-hmm. and just kind of going, oh man this is this is a job opportunity here, right Not everybody can, gets like a job offer for like the starting in the September after they graduate, yeah. and I'd been in university for a long time, and I believed that that was what I was supposed to do, and so I took the job. I handed in my resignation after two weeks. Uh, so I I led yeah. worship twice there as the worship pastor, and I felt so lonely.
0: Mm. Um,
1: at this time, I, I should put in the caveat as well that I had a um, general practitioner, like a, a family doctor, improperly diagnose me. So okay. I had a family doctor diagnose me as um, with a major depressive disorder. Okay. Um,
0: so yeah, let's just throw that all. In so the we pot throw that too. in there. Yeah. Um,
1: it was actually just severe ADHD, and I'll talk. I'll get into why that matters in a second. But so I had this depressive disorder. And I was taking antidepressants, um, but I would get home on Sunday from leading worship, and I would go into my room and turn off the lights and lie down in bed, and I wouldn't get up again until Monday morning. Wow. Um, because I wasn't okay. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: it. I didn't have joy or conviction or passion for what I was doing. I knew it wasn't right. Yeah. yeah. And so I walked away from that. Um, gave him my two weeks notice. I said, yeah, I'll stay on for two more weeks so that you have time to find somebody else. And after those two weeks were up, they didn't have somebody else. So I said, I'll le- I'll keep leading worship on a couple of weekends for you or like the next two weekends. And then the weekends after that, I'll make worship sets and do all the music and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'll give you two weekends for free at the end of the month and then I'll give you two weekends where I'll do like kind of the planning and prep but I won't lead okay. and then I'll be gone because I didn't want to just like leave them high and dry because yeah. that wasn't that's not a th- the good thing to do and
0: especially after just starting yeah. Yeah.
1: and in the contract I mean we it was built into the contract there was a three month probation period for both to. and most contracts like job contracts have that for both sides yep, just to totally. kind of make sure that it's a good fit for, for both sides yep. so um, yeah I left I was an electrician because I just needed a job so, I worked uh, as an electrician for a few months and then uh, I got let go because there was, you know, a job crisis. Like, there was just not enough work for a lot of the trades in mm-hmm. Calgary at that time. I got let go like two weeks before Christmas. Ooh, uh, yeah. And at that time, I decided, anyways, I was like, I'm not doing this. This isn't for me. Like, I wanted to be a teacher. I'm going to go back to school. And I had applied to university to go for right. my education degree. Anyways, going for education. Um, In that time, same family doctor then diagnoses me while I'm at school for education with uh, a bipolar disorder rather than. So he goes, based on what you're telling me, it's not major depressive disorder. It is bipolar. I at that point, been on a waiting list to see a psychiatrist for two to three years. Wow. And hadn't seen one yet. Um, Go there, graduate, get my job here, move to Okotoks within a month of moving here i switched family doctors to somebody that is still my family doctors and incre- like i love the guy he's so awesome and a month after getting that like new family doctor he got me into a psychiatrist which cool. i'd been on the waiting list at that point now for probably 4 to 5 years in calgary wow um, Ooh, because cow. there is a that uh, there probably still is but at that time there definitely was a shortage of healthcare professionals because i'm sure. uh, oh, sorry of mental health professionals because People still don't take mental health seriously. Yeah, I see the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist, talks to me for an hour. At the end of that hour, he goes, "All right, here's my diagnosis." Uh, he's like, "You have severe ADHD, um, and one, you also have, you're also gifted." Um, and this is something I was tested for apparently when I was a little kid. So, um, when you are giftedness and ADHD are often like comorbid with each other. Okay. Um, so a lot of people who are gifted also have ADHD and can go the other way around, around as well. Um, he said, when those two things go together, if you're doing something that you are not passionate about, that you do not feel is worth your time, that you do not feel is valuable, you will have depression-like symptoms. Mm. Where since it's not worth it to you in your brain, yep. you would rather just like, you you can't find the energy to do it because you only have so much energy that you can give. And if you, some, your brain is telling you this isn't worth it to me, this isn't valuable,
0: this isn't making a change, this isn't, you know, this. It's not filling up your tank or recharging your battery. Yeah. Or, or even
1: like, the, or, it's just not. Or, or it's, it's not depleting worth you it. quicker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: if it's just not something that's worthy of, that you believe is worthy of your time, then your body will essentially like shut down. Your brain will shut down in a way that is similar to severe depressed, to a severe depressed state. Mm-hmm. where like you will know that you're supposed to get up and go do your job, but you can't. Right. Right. And so, which and
0: is totally what you were experiencing that's being what I that experienced at pastor. church, And that's what I experienced
1: yeah. sometimes when I was doing electrical, um, where I was like, why am I doing this job? Like this mm. isn't, this isn't making a difference. Or then I was working on like landscaping. There'd be times where I like, I was like, I, ha- I know I have to get up and go to work. I'd be awake and like, I know I have to get up and go to work, but I could not, I just couldn't get out of bed and go. Like I knew like mentally, like I knew I had to, I needed a paycheck, I needed to pay rent, but I could, some days I just couldn't force myself to get up and do it. And so he just said, like, if you don't think it's worth your time and there's no value in it, it's going to be, there's going to be days where you just can't. And so it'll look like depression. And then all of a sudden, two days later, you're going to bounce right back up and be good to go. And because mm. you're ADHD, you are impulsive, which can look like a manic episode.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he's like, So you've
1: got the mania because you are ADHD and impulsive. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're just like wired because you've been sitting in your bed for two days. Like with this pent up
0: energy. Just yeah. And all of, building of a sudden, up. you'll
1: explode and it'll seem like you're manic. When you just came from this really low state. So it'll look That's like it's... crazy. So it appears like bipolar. Yeah, it looks like rapid cycling bipolar disorder. So bipolar 2. Yeah. Um, but it's actually just a combination of giftedness and ADHD working.
0: Just like bashing heads yeah. trying to compete um, over each other. And
1: so he switched me to ADHD meds. What's the beautiful thing about ADHD meds? You don't have to take them every day. Right. Right. So all of your like ser- like your depression meds, if you don't if you miss a day, it messes with your brain chemistry. Okay. Your ADHD meds are essentially
0: cocaine. Right. Because they're accelerants. Yeah. I think they're the stimulants. Term for it? Stimulants. Yeah, they're yeah. stimulants. Yeah.
1: It's essentially coke. Right. And like it's it's <laughs> medical coke. Medical grade stuff. Yeah. Um, and it essentially makes it so that your brain can like meet, like can work at the level that it's already trying to work. Right. At. So it,
0: it kind of increases your bandwidth. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, will do that. And he's like, you need to do something that you care about or this will continue. Right. Um. Since I've been teaching, I haven't missed a day unless I'm like, actually like, I hate not going into work. Hmm. Like I had to miss a day this week cause I couldn't walk because of my because of my whatever my yeah, back was doing like I took the morning up. off and I hated it. Part of it too is I have to write sub plans. It's like more work to like write sub plans than it is to just go into work. Yeah. But it's also like I don't I don't want to yeah. miss it because I love it. Right. I want to be there. If I'm not there, I feel like I'm letting my students down. Yes. Cuz I feel like I'm making a difference. And and to be honest with you, I know I'm making a difference. And not to toot my own horn as a teacher, but like I recently said, we have to start taking responsibility and owning what we do well, Hmm, right? We have to push that false humility aside and, and own our, what we're good at. And I've had students on more than one occasion tell me that they're still alive today because of me. Wow. Um, I had a, wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's
0: insane.
1: Yeah. Um, this year already I had one of the, our school counselors call me and be like, Hey, just so you know, this student mentioned that they're feeling suicidal, yeah. but they said that you are somebody that they have a positive relationship with and can trust, um, and that you're somebody that they will talk to if they. And then I've had other students, um, I've had students who don't have good relationships with their dads, right? Um, who both their moms and the students have said like you've been like you've been the father figure that I needed, like you've been wow. that positive male role model that I've needed in my life, or that I that my kid has needed in their life.
0: That is incredible. Like, I... So, like, if that's not confirmation that you're doing what you're supposed to do, I don't know what is. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing the right thing. I'm in the right
1: career. And I love it. And I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about caring for kids. And um, this week I had a a parent call me because it's it's been hard. Like, just... With COVID, yeah, it has been hard on it has been hard on teachers. It, it has been it's exhausting, but it has been even harder on students hmm. because I think about my current grade twelve students. They went online halfway through grade ten last year. They went back and forth between online and in yeah. person. Like yeah. you never knew what was going to happen. You could you they knew that they could be online again at any point in time, and they were. I taught from like online multiple times last year. Um, and half of the course offerings weren't except like weren't there any kids who liked fine arts, performing arts, and mm-hmm. like sports and extracurricular stuff. They just didn't exist last year, right? Um, so they didn't do that stuff. And all of a sudden this year they're expected to just bounce back, and yeah, they can't. That's
0: crazy. There is so
1: much anxiety in our students this year, yeah. and the supports for them just aren't there. And there are teachers who aren't, who just don't understand that. Mm-hmm. are expecting students to just like be like everything's fine it's a normal year we're good to go but the students they can't bounce back like that as teachers we can't bounce like back like that either and so i had a parent call me this year like this week actually in tears mm-hmm. saying i don't know how to support my kid wow. can you help me oh wow and yeah. like and we got to a place where we said all right like this is what i'm going to do for your kid and it is my job like I see it as my job to help these students. It is a teacher's job to help these students. And no, we are not licensed psychologists or counselors. That's mm-hmm. like, I don't have those skills, but I can build relationships with students. Yeah, I see, I see these kids every single day and a counselor doesn't. And there are relationships that I build with students. And stu- some students are going to, I mean, some students hate me. That's just, that's just part of the trade, right? There are students who absolutely hate me. They don't like my teaching style. They don't like the way I do things. They just don't like me. That is fine. Um, But there are students that I can build a relationship with and help and be there for them. And man, I love it. And And if what you're
0: able to, if what you're doing during that is helping those kids from committing suicide and keeping them alive and Building those relationships and especially building relationships with parents, too, where they're able to reach out to you and say, hey, I don't know how to help my kid, but you seem to know what you're doing with them. What can you do or what can we do or how can we work together? I think that's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, like you're not going to make friends with everybody. Like That's not reasonable to ever expect that. That's fine. And I'm okay with that. Like when it comes down to
1: it. Like, I'm a grown man and they're teenagers. I don't care about their opinion of me. Totally. Like, there's, that's not what there's I'm there for. There's a big
0: degree of separation right? between yeah. you guys.
1: Yeah, that's not what I'm there for. I'm not there to be their friend. Yeah. I'm not there, to, I'm not going to try to make them like me. But if I can naturally build relationships yeah. by being who I am and that, and I'm able to connect with them, man, I love it. Like, that's there fantastic. are students this year who are going to graduate and I'm going to cry when they graduate. Mm. Because I'll miss them, because I've yeah. been able to build these relationships. And there's been students in the past where I've cried when they've graduated because I had three years of building a relationship with them. And some of them I'll never see again because yeah. that's just the nature of the beast. Some of them come visit and I love that. Yeah. But some of them don't. Maybe and some of them come okay. back as teachers. And well, then, and I've and had students we'll close the loop. <laughs> there's been some students who have told me, like, hey, I'm going to university because I want your job. It's like, oh, I'm not giving it up anytime <laughs> soon. So good like, luck. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's and man, and with that, like realizing the way that I feel teaching versus the way I felt as a pastor, mm. um, and then just teaching has made me a better person and to really get into like the nitty gritty of the deconstruction stuff is that. And, yep. Bringing it home. Is that I it back. realized, <laughs> yeah. um, that when I was at the church, while I was told that we love all people. hmm. Um, And that all people were loved and welcomed and it was all conditional.
0: Mm, Right. Yeah. Um, We love you, but. Right. Or we love you if you believe this, this, and this. Yeah. Or if
1: you change this or if you do this and, and it's like one of the things that drives me nuts and, and this is something that's changed for me as a, as a dad as well is people would always say like, you will understand God's love when you have your own kid. I've heard that before. Okay. Yeah. Right. And what they yeah, meant was that, that, that you'll understand too. like, because you have to discipline your kids, like you love them, but you have to discipline them still. Right. Or you have to do things they don't like. Like right, right now we're sleep training with Parker a little bit. Meaning, and so at night we're trying to like, she break this habit of her waking up and thinking she's hungry because mm. she's not like we wake up, like you and I can wake up at night And be like, oh, I'm a little hungry, but I'm going to push through till breakfast. Yeah. And so we're teaching Parker that same thing. You got enough calories during the day. You're going to wake up. And even though you're a little bit hungry, we're going to teach you that you don't actually need it. Yeah. And so she wakes up like, and she might start crying and be upset. And we can go in every 15 minutes to be like, Parker, I love you, but it's time for sleep. And then go out again. Mm -hmm. And so we have to like discipline and do hard things. But, and everyone's like, you'll understand God's love for you then. But I don't, because mm. what the church told me is that if I don't give my life to him or don't believe in his son as the Christ or as the Messiah, then he will, then, then I'll be subject to eternal hell. It's like, well, God's not sending you there. You're sending yourself there. Right. But, but, yeah. but no, because if God is all powerful and he actually loves me, why would he allow that to happen? Yeah. Because I know that it doesn't matter what Parker does, I will always be there for her. Mm. She can be as like she can completely turn away from me, but I would never subject her to to pain. I would do everything that I could to like make sure that she was still okay. I would mm. never be like, "You know what? I think you've had like cuz when when it comes to eternity, this life we have on earth is a fraction. It's less than 1%. Yeah. Which essentially means that by the time Parker turns like one, I'm determining, okay, you've had enough time and you haven't been a great kid. So I'm going to like torment you for the rest of your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like where's the logic in that? It doesn't make sense. No.
1: Like if like this life compared to eternity is nothing. Yeah. Like so we get this tiny little trial period and if we mess up or we make the wrong choice or we're not like put in the right family... Right, like we we ended up Christian because of where we were, because of our family or our friend group, or or, just where we were born. Cultural context, yeah, yeah, Where We were born where we're from. And so, to me, if God is loving, that's it.
0: Yeah. Full stop.
1: Yeah. That's that's it.
0: got one last question for you Matt Um, this is something I like to ask everybody at the end of of an interview but um, I think we've talked a lot about you being a teacher and what teaching has taught you and what you've learned from being a teacher so what would you say is one thing that people need to know or that people should know about teaching or about being a teacher
1: I don't know how to answer that Because there's so many things where, because you have some people who believe that teaching is just showing up and teaching kids how to do two plus two and then going home. Um, When in reality, some of these kids, I spend more time with them than their parents do. And I know them better than their parents do. Hmm. Maybe don't include that part, but um, (laughs) you can if you want to. But um, the most important part about being a teacher isn't teaching. Hmm. It's just loving the kids in front of you. Dang. Enough said. That's it. You got to love those kids because some of them, they're not getting it anywhere else. And some of them, even if they are, a little more doesn't hurt. They just need love. And they'll learn everything you have to teach them if you just love them first.
0: That might be like the shortest answer I've ever gotten to that question, and I am here for it. I love that so much. Love is the answer, baby. It is. That's it.
1: Peace, love, and music. That's uh, my <laughs> my coworker. That's his. That's his signature in his email. Peace, love, and music.
0: Man, you can just put that on your business card. Matt Ellis, teacher. Peace, peace love, love, and music. music.
1: I think was, if he had a business card, it would be on his. I don't want to steal his thing.
0: That's so good. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks for sitting down and hanging out and chatting and, yeah, you know, My pleasure. this has been good, buddy. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. There we go. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I had such a great time hanging out with Matt and uh, just shooting the breeze with him. So if, if you want to catch the rest of the conversation that we had, there was a big chunk that I had to take out. Um, that whole conversation will be available on Patreon. Um, so you can check out the Patreon at Patreon.com slash Unexpected Experts. Uh, there you can become a supporter of this show for as little as three bucks a month and uh, just help me do what I'm doing here. Um, also, send me an email or send me a message on Instagram. Let me know what you love about the show. Let me know what I can do to improve it. Um, any and all feedback is always welcome. The landing page for this whole podcast is UnexpectedExperts.com. So all the links for Instagram, email, everything is all over there. Thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you next time on the Unexpected Experts podcast.